Today's episode of 5 Dirty Bikers Podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Well, school is back in session strong, and we want to make sure that you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped 4th Generation Performance Package is just that. Things are opening up, so be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you guys. It's the perfect package for your package and includes the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Fellas, go for the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and use the code 5SHAVED at checkout and save 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. That's the number 5, S-H-A-V-E-D, at checkout. Save 20% off your order, get free shipping, and trust us, your balls will thank you. Welcome back to the 5 Dirty Bikers Podcast. Everybody, welcome back to Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. Today we have special guest Stacy Wilt on. Uh, before we get into introductions and everything, we're going to go ahead and let you know that Percy will not be joining us tonight. He had a family me- um, family matter, I should say, and uh, he will be back with us next week. So we wish the best for him and his family. And back to the show, Stacy. Thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Yeah, definitely. So motorcycles, food, and adventuring. You know, all life's good things. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> well, I think it's something. We, yeah, I think if you ride a bike, that's something you can everybody can get down with. Absolutely, I think it's something that everyone, um, if if you really ride and like to, I mean, it doesn't matter if you ride around town or you like to tour. I think it's things everyone likes to do. You know, it's a common ground that any motorcyclist, no matter what you ride, can like agree upon. I mean, food's a common thing. You got to eat it. You know, <laughs> you need it to survive. So it's like, all right. That's something we can all get down on. Let's talk about it. It's like you might not like baggers, you might not like cafe racers or sport bikes, but everyone likes food. So you can all agree on food. Yes, absolutely. So you lived in what? At least five states. Oh man, let's yeah. Okay, so I'm originally from Texas. <laughs> yep. I get asked this constantly. Even like my close friends are like, "So where do you live now?" And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> let's just go down the timeline." So I grew up in Texas, uh, born and raised in Houston. Lived in Austin for about six years. And then moved to Phoenix on a whim just to give something a whirl. Lived there for two years. Then moved to Oklahoma City. Was there for a year. Was homeless for three months and just lived off my motorcycle. Then I moved to the Bay Area, California. Lived in San Jose. And then I moved to Denver three years ago-ish. So now I kind of call this home base. So So what state have you found the best writing in so far that you've lived Oh man, it's so hard because every state's so different. So like Texas has so many different geographies. You have the desert in West Texas, you have the hill country, you have the Gulf Coast, you have the Piney Woods. Um, you get up closer to Amarillo and it's flat or you have Palo Duro Canyon. Um, as y'all can tell, I'm a total travel nerd and I can go way down this rabbit hole. <laughs> but Texas is beautiful you don't really get winter there which is great same with arizona at least in the southern parts the northern part of arizona does get snow Mm -hmm. um depending on the elevation definitely a hidden gem as far as riding goes there's a ton of great riding in arizona um i would say though of course oklahoma city is oklahoma there is good riding in oklahoma but not a ton especially around that uh metroplex 
I would say. And then California, it's just so different. They're all like, you have the redwoods right there. Like I could go rip to the redwoods any day of the week and be home in 30 minutes from the redwoods, you know, so, or go grab a crab sandwich on the coast or something. So it's just, they're all so different. Colorado's good though. I mean, you can be in Utah and six hours and be riding through red rocks. You can do million dollar. I can do million dollar highway and come home in a weekend. So they're all different. It just depends what you're into. If you don't like twisty roads, Colorado sucks, <laughs> but that's what I'm into. So I like it. So you, you have on your uh, um, social media that you've yeah. ridden. So you ride about, you've ridden 10 years, right? That's what you kind of typically what you say. So you've been a rider for about 10 years and you you said you were 30. So you started riding when you were around 20. Yes. Yeah. I got my first bike when I was 20. Okay. And, and you put right on your social media, you've ridden 200,000 miles. So quick math. Yeah. Quick math. You're averaging about 20,000 miles a year. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that big brain on bread. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't stood up, Tony. (laughs) Stacey, what got you into riding in the first place? Well, so, Okay. I don't know y'all's ages or not, but does anyone remember the movie Motocross that Disney came out with? It was like a Disney Channel original movie. It Motocross. No, when I grew up, Disney Channel was all wavy. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't yep. privileged to get Disney. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? He had to watch it through the he had to watch a ca- through the cable that didn't work, kind of like how Tony and I used to watch porn. Yeah, that's <laughs> porn on cable. The, the snow porn. You're yeah, just waiting. Snow. You're just waiting to get a shot of a boob here and yeah, there. Just waiting for a that's snow funny. titty. It's coming through. <laughs> <sooner or later. laughs> yep. You'll catch it. Well, there, there was a movie when I was a kid called Motocross that Disney came out with, and it was about this girl whose brother got injured, so she like shaved her head and pretended to be him so that he could still win his race. And I was like, that's so cool. Girls riding dirt bikes. And it was specifically dirt bikes. So growing up, all I wanted was a dirt bike. And my parents were like, absolutely not. They're super dangerous. Girls don't ride motorcycles kind of thing. AKA, we don't want to pay for the expense slash you get hurt. You know, growing up, it looks like it's about girls not riding motorcycles. Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, you didn't want the hospital bill. I understand now. (laughs) So, um so that's how I originally got into it. And then naturally with my parents not being stoked on that, um, it was probably, I was, I don't know, like 18 years old and I was dating a guy for a while that was into building hot rods and stuff and broke up with him. First dude that I started dating or hanging out with after that had a sportster. And it's like how it always happens. Isn't that like the most stereotypical like motorcycle story? The dude had a sportster. And uh, anyway, I started hanging out with him and I started working at a Harley dealer. And I was like, all right, that's when the 48 came out. And I thought that bike was so badass. And I was like, I'm going to buy one of those. So I ate ramen noodles and eggs for like three months and saved every dollar I could. Because I was in college. I was a poor college kid, (laughs) you know? So it's like I have to save every dollar I can to buy a bike. And that's what I did one summer. And then bought my motorcycle when I was 20. So is that, is that when you had uh, purple hair and filmed your stereotypical Harley commercial? First off, it was fire engine red, like this couch behind me, whichever direction it is. (laughs) We're trying to do it at the webcam. It's not working, but uh, yep. It was super red leopard. Uh, That was about a year after. So I because so the bike I'm sitting on in that commercial is my motorcycle. That was my 48. And that's before I wrecked it. So after I wrecked it, I did like a scuffed up tank and did some other stuff to it. So, and I wrecked, I don't know, this is like kind of a tangent. I think I wrecked like a year, maybe 14 months after I started riding. I can't really remember. 
obviously I'm fine. <laughs> like, it's not that grim of a story, but <laughs> you must have, you must have made an impression because, uh, it was that video from nine years ago was posted in our discord. As soon as we announced that you were going to be on, um, the podcast. So we have oh, a discord cool. of about 500 members and, uh, um, somebody posted this video and said, I knew I recognized her from somewhere you know, and posted this stereotypical rider video that was, that's still on YouTube. You can still find it. And so, and then I, I had not honestly had not seen it and I watched it and I'm like, Holy shit, that is her. So fun fun fact, I am an honor student. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the back, the background of that video was Harley was like campaigning and looking for people, what you would consider talent for this commercial and they were in Austin and I worked at the Harley dealer. So of course they asked all of us, you know, they're looking, they were looking for a certain type of person. Um, but so I auditioned for it and talked to them and I was on Dean's list that year. Um, I graduated a year early from high school. I started college when I was actually a junior. And then my senior year of high school, I went to school for two periods a day. And then I went to college. Like I went off campus and did college stuff. Um, so I was an honor student, so to speak, but they didn't tell me they were going to put that on the screen. <laughs> they made the commercial and like they did my hair that day. So my pompadour looks all crazy. They made me wear a fishnet shirt like I was going to a rave or something. And I was like, <laughs> I thought this was supposed to look like me, but OK, cool. Um, and then when it debuted, it was during the UFC fights because they used to be a huge sponsor of UFC. Yep. And all of a sudden everyone's like, you're an honor student. And I was like, Oh God, because I didn't see the commercial first. I had no clue it was debuting. And all of a sudden all my friends are texting me like hashtag honor student. And I'm like, what are y'all talking about? (laughs) That I saw the commercial and I was like, Oh, okay. So fun fact for people that watch this and know about that commercial. It's true. (laughs) I'm an honor student. So. Well, I mean, you can tell everybody that you just went from nerd to motorcycle nerd, right? Yeah, super nerd. <laughs> nerd level hey, twelve of ten. <laughs> there's 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 nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. no. So let's talk about ride to food. Okay. Which what, what y'all want to know? <laughs> well, I watched quite a few of your videos. Great content, by the way. Thank you. You can tell you put you could we could tell you put in the time. And it's not just somebody turning on a GoPro and talking. You're actually telling a story in these videos. So you pick a destination you want to go to, in, in a lot of cases of the videos, someplace you want to eat. Like a lot of these places, how are you hearing about them? Is it just like a recommendation from locals in the area you just chat around with online maybe? Or is it something like you've seen on a television show? Like how does that work out? Sometimes it's a little bit of both. So like I mentioned, I used to work in Harley dealers. And honestly, like when I first started writing 10 years ago, the people who knew the most information, even though they got the most shit from like people my age, were all the hog members. So the hog members would be like, oh, you got to go ride this road. And they'd tell me all about all their rides all over the country because these people are, you know, I'm 20, 21, maybe 22, because um, this is obviously over the course of a few years. And um, they're all in their 50s and 60s, retired, doing whatever, riding all over the country, having a blast. They come back and they tell me about their stories because I worked in motor clothes. So I was always like face to face with the customers. So my brain acts like a Rolodex when it comes to travel information. I'm like, okay, million dollar highway, Colorado, this road here, tail of the dragon, smoky mountains. Like I've just taken all this info in over the last 10 years and I just like keep it in my brain. 
Um, some people, you know, like some people sit there and scroll Instagram at night. I sit on my phone, like I smoke a bowl and I sit on my phone and look for scooby uh-huh. notes. <laughs> That's right. It's legal in Colorado. Damn yes, it. Yes. Where did we have? No wonder she's one to eat. She's fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> <I knew it. laughs> it's all making sense now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I just. I just really like to travel. I took a trip in 2013 and I went to Mexico. Um, I did the El Diablo run or EDR, whatever you want to call it. Um, Rode from Texas by myself out there and met a bunch of people. And I just got hooked on the travel bug. And after that, I realized like, I don't want to work for anyone else. And I have, I've tried to go back to like hashtag or bunny ear corporate life. Right. And work nine to fives. It's just not for me. Um, so it's like, why not just travel and help others figure out how to travel and tour on their motorcycle? Because at this point, I've kind of been doing it for 10 years. You know, I said 2013 is when I first did that trip. But the first two years that I really rode, I lived in Austin and I grew up in Houston. Like I told you, there's about 180 miles between those two towns. I would go back to Houston every single weekend and then go ride around with my friends out there. And if I didn't, I'd stay in Texas and I would do like four or 500 mile loops with my coworkers on the weekends because our dealership was closed on Sundays. So everyone got to go ride together. So that's another thing. I got to learn a lot of the back roads in Texas that a lot of people don't know about because I rode with all the old guys who have been doing it for decades. (laughs) So, and that includes all the little ice houses, food spots, you name it. I mean, we found all kinds of cool stuff. So I guess this lifestyle is just something that like I was kind of born into when it comes to motorcycling, just because of who I learned to ride with, you know, I rode with all the old guys working at the dealership. So you're the the first person from Texas motorcyclist, I should say from Texas that described Texas in a way that makes me want to go there and ride. (laughs) Every single person that I've ever heard describe Texas describes Texas as the literally the worst place ever to ride. (laughs) And I'm like, you guys have never been the worst place ever. I live in the worst place ever to ride. (laughs) We get to ride three months out of the year. The rest of the time you have ice ice cubes hanging from your balls. Every (laughs) every road is straight. So don't tell me about the worst place to ride. You have to love, really love riding to ride here because it's shitty. Right. That's and that's kind of how like Oklahoma City is. It's it's so flat. There's really nothing you can bar hop. But it's like there's not like there's lakes around, but there's not cool bars sitting on the side of the lake that you go and sit under, you know, an umbrella patio overlooking the lake. There's none of that. So if you really want to ride there, you just get to go in straight lines and enjoy yourself unless you go to eastern Oklahoma. But I also I also need to tell uh, I, I just need to say this because I want everybody in podcast land to, to hear this. Stacy is the most badass chick that I know. And I'll tell you why <laughs> she makes this video. And in the title of the video, it says I almost died. I, that happened to me. I had a very similar experience that you did, but was with bicyclists. Oh, but yours was with a car, right? Yeah. So you had footage of this in the same video. You go to a taco joint and eat tacos <laughs> while you're riding your motorcycle. Now, I know what tacos do to me when I'm not riding a motorcycle. <laughs> that makes you the most badass person I know that you can go for a day ride, eat tacos, and still think that you're going to make it home <laughs> and not have some sort of disaster happen to you on your way home. Maybe it's just being Texan, but I swear, like, 
if you ever ask me what I'm going to eat, I will probably go with Mexican food. Of some I will stuff. too. I, I lived in Southern California for eight years, night eat taco and I shit three minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had a taco on my motorcycle, I would be sweating to death, not only with the anxiety of when it was going to hit me, but that I knew it was coming. Oh, so geez. when did White Castle start making tacos? That's what I want to know. <laughs> hey, that's oh, a great Castle idea. That's a good have idea. Have you had the White Castle? I've had it, but okay, not fresh. I've only had the little frozen ones you can get at the grocery store. And uh, yeah, I know they're not the same, <laughs> but I haven't gotten to get one yet. So well, well you need to come. You need to come to the Midwest. Get some. Well, fresh there's ones. one in Vegas now, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. We might have one. No, we don't have one in Denver. There's there's one not. I say there's one not far from here, but it's probably like 700 miles. And in my crazy brain, that's not far. But um, I have seen a sign for one somewhere on my travels, but I can't remember the town. I don't know how far in the Midwest they go, but the Burger Boy, you know, that's holding all the stuff. I didn't know. Big Big Boy. boy. I didn't know those were real until this summer. I thought that was just a thing out of Austin Powers. And like, I know <laughs> there used to be one. I used to live in Arizona too. Uh, about one 20, 21 years ago, I lived in Arizona. I went to school out there. I cool. uh, lived on Baseline Road. I don't know where, uh, you know, a Tempe Town mm-hmm. Mall or no, Tempe, uh, Arizona, Arizona Milt. Yes. I lived three blocks from there. Oh, cool. Saw South Mountain, which you were on when you, when you had that scare. Yep. Uh, with, with the car, which, yes. yeah. We'll get to that again in a little bit because we got to talk about that. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> Just let me know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Arizona, I regret, there's so many regrets I have because, uh, you know, small town boy from the Midwest, you're not as adventurous on what you try. And then you move to a big city like that. I mean, I, there's so many cases where I should have tried some of the local delicacies that I didn't, but there were some good taco joints. And I know you ate at a couple of them. They you know, have they, great Mexican food. Yeah. Right? Yeah, amazing taco scene. But right you there on baseline, the West only eat fucking cheese curds and meat sticks, though, isn't it? <laughs> That's all you need is cheese and meat, Tony. That's all there is. <laughs> I went to a oh, bar up there. They had, they had Slim Jims on the bar. I'm like, where? What the fuck is this? Yes, <laughs> oh, the, the, the two basic food groups: cheese and meat. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta go to the real raunchy bars where they have pickled eggs on the bar. Oh, my oh God. I can't do there's. <laughs> FTW Co. I can't think of the guy's name, but he's uh, there's a bar in Des Moines called Kung Fu Tap and Taco, and they sell pickled eggs, and they look like little Taco Bell style tacos. But if you're ever in Des Moines, definitely check that bar out. Um, but I had a pickled egg there; it was the first time I've ever had one. I think I'm good. That's not my <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you take, Yeah, you know, Tony, we take that to the next level up here. So you can go to the bar here, and you can get a pickled pig's foot. Hmm. Mm. I'm surprised no, you all just don't have seal blubber. Oh. <laughs> we, that's a, we wear that to keep warm, Tony. That's probably true. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, in the summertime, in the summertime, you lotion up with, uh, with, uh, that, you know, sunscreen. So you don't burn in the wintertime. We lotion up with seal blubber. So it keeps us warm. He said there. lotion up, but he was like doing this. <laughs> yeah, I was doing this. I was doing this right here. Could not see your hands. I bet you could build an igloo like a motherfucker. Boy. I got both. I got both hands. In. <laughs> oh man! So I have a question. So, did I understand you correctly when you said you're not part of the corporate world and you pretty much travel on your motorcycle all the time? Pretty much. Yep. So I've tried to work nine to five jobs, 
ever since I got the travel bug about, I get about three to six months into working for someone under a nine to five, nine to five schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. And I start to lose my mind because you can't go anywhere. You know, it's like asking for a three day weekend. It's like asking for like your pinky, you know, exactly. it's like they got to take a limb from you if you ask for three days off. And I, my brain just doesn't work like that. Anymore. So what do you do for income then? Cause I know a lot of people are probably wondering how that is, same yeah, question. How do you get to do this? So I am a freelancer. So I used to, I don't currently because I'm fully focused on building ride to food out. Mm-hmm. So I have done freelance photography. Um, I've been published in hog magazine, hot bike, motorcyclist, um, a bunch of magazines. We'll just go with that. Uh, okay. I've photographed weddings in the past. If anyone's watching this and wants me to photograph their wedding, the answer is absolutely not. It is extremely stressful. <laughs> um, but anyway, Yep. Done photo work. I've done social media management. I've done event coordination. I actually put on one of the largest FXR and Dyna shows that the Bay area has ever seen whenever I was working out in the Bay area. Uh, that was a really good time. Didn't pull permits <laughs> and the cops got really pissed. Cause I had a couple thousand people show up at the dealership and do like wheelies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Good times. Um, but yep. So I've done all kinds of things. I'm a lady of many helmets, so to speak. I can do a couple different things to make money. Um, my writer food's my full-time job. So, I mean, as you guys can probably see in this video, I mean, we got camp mugs and all kinds of goodies back here that I sell on the merch store. Um, and then I write blogs for people and articles, some photo work. Uh, I have clients that I work with and do collaborations with ride to food, uh, like tourism boards. So I'll go out, shoot some stuff with a tourism board, whether it's for publication and print or digital And then um, we do like social media campaigns in conjunction with that. So pretty much a giant marketing background. And now I've taken all the, all that knowledge and I'm I'm just dumping it into right to food. So you did that for Arkansas tourism board not too long ago, right? Right. Yep. Okay. I I just went back for a second trip. So those videos will, once I get done with this trip, I'm leaving for in the morning. uh, I'll be working on those videos. So. Okay. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Your channel what do you have a little less than 30 videos and it's just, I think so. I mean, what, what was it? A little over 11,000 subs. Yeah. I think as of today, I'm at like 11, seven or something. I check wow. it. I check it every day. Cause I'm like, Oh, what am I at now? <laughs> so, so the I, thing- hate you, I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so did they, they take, or did they take off immediately? No. So when I first started doing YouTube, um, I, my videos wouldn't even get like a thousand views even so. And a lot of people don't know this. If they found me from Ride to food on YouTube, they probably don't know that I already had a social following via my Stacy will Instagram account. Um, so if anyone watching this or listening to this wants to follow me on both accounts, go for it. Stacy wills, my personal account, Ride to foods, my business and or brand. So I already had about 23,000 followers there, which is what helped me really build ride to food quickly and gain a social following there because I didn't start from technically complete scratch. I've worked in the motorcycle industry since we'll just say 10 years. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, I, so I know a lot of people and I can be like, Hey, can you share this? Hey, can you do this? Um, but YouTube wasn't where my background was. I didn't have a following from Instagram really on YouTube. So when I would watch, when I would publish videos, be like, go watch this. I'd get 500 views. And I'm like, Oh my God, these are tanking. Cause I, like I told y'all earlier, 
I put so much time into editing them. Each video, every five minutes takes about 12 hours to edit and that doesn't include produce it. So it was definitely a struggle bus uh, at first. And then I don't remember which video it was. It might've been my Yellowstone series um, where all of a sudden it just took off and I got a bunch of video, a bunch of views for, for me, it's not a hundred thousand views, but it was a lot of views for myself um, pretty quick. And then all of a sudden the channel grew from there. So nice. that's where it worked. It took a year until a video really caught on and people were stoked on it. That's in so. the grand scheme of things. That's actually not bad a year. Yeah, some people no. go six, seven years doing this. And then finally they start to hit in one that year. Peter McKinnon. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Uh, he's he's yeah. he's a whole new level. Yeah. You know, the one thing I was thinking of, like I had like a brain fart at the time I was talking. You, you were talking about the big boy, the guy holding the the meat, yeah, the pizza or whatever, a burger, whatever's in his hand. Yeah, it was a, it was like a burger tray. Yeah, there was one right there on Baseline Road, right by the mall. It, it's a j. It was a Jack in the Box after I left, but they had one right there. But it closed oh. down like shortly after I moved. Okay. Yeah. I've never, yeah, I had never seen one. And the summer I rode from Milwaukee to West Virginia and then West Virginia back. And we went through Cincinnati to uh, Indy and it was somewhere on there on the exit signs. And I saw the little guy and I was like, Oh my God, those are real. <laughs> and I got to Indy and I was having lunch with a buddy and he was like, are you kidding me right now? You're stoked about that. And I was like, absolutely. I didn't know those were, those were real things. We didn't stop at one, but it's always on the to-do list for the next trip out there. They're, so. yeah. they're delicious. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's so, five, there's five of them. I live on route 66 here and there's five of them within, no, no, two of them within five miles, but they're mm -hmm. not, there's not a restaurant. They're just somebody bought the statues. So one's at a restaurant right off 66, about 10 minutes away. They just one... steal that poor bastard all the time here in Louisville. <laughs> oh, I bet, dude. Yeah, he would disappear all the time. <laughs> there's there's one out whenever, whenever you're going from Cody, Wyoming into Yellowstone. Uh, he's on the south side of the road on someone's property out in the middle of a field. And that's, I always, I've seen it twice now. But same thing. I just never realized it was a real restaurant. I was like, what, what are these things? What are these? Because we don't have them in Texas. It's just one of those um, geographical kind of things. It's like, mm -hmm. that, like that's a Midwest thing, you know, yeah. kind of like Waterburgers or a Southern Texas thing or Waffle Houses, et cetera. So. Like White Castle. White, White Castle. Castle. Yeah. <laughs> so, so CC, when you're, when you're riding your motorcycle and you close your eyes and you make a left-hand turn, do you see a White Crown Victoria? Mm. Uh, no, but every time I take a left-hand curve, like a good one, and there's a car, or pretty much right before I hit, like, kind of in the middle of that apex, I see it. Like, I still do see it in a lot of turns. Um, it sucks when I'm going around a curve, and there's actually a car in their lane not doing anything wrong, because I still freak. Like, I'll be, I could be hanging off my bike a little, like, in it to win it, just ripping and I'll see it. I'm like, oh my god! And I like panic and like bring my bike back up and wiggle. Like, so what it, it totally what freaks me out. Why don't you tell everybody the story of that so so our our listeners have some context to what you just explained to us? Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that as I'm explaining. I'm like, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So I was in Phoenix filming in 2019. What year? What year did this pandemic thing start? 2020. Yeah. 2019, and, um, I was out there filming and I was on South mountain and I came up around a blind curve. And as soon as I got around the curve there, it's, uh, two lanes. So one lane going each way. 
there's a car directly in my lane trying to pass someone on a double yellow. And I just had enough room and I don't, I still don't know how I didn't hit the car, but I had just enough room to get between the Crown Vic and the guardrail and the guard. It, but on the other side, the guardrail is just a giant cliff face. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't go like over the guardrail or anything, but um, yeah, luckily I came out unscathed and uh, I don't know who that Crown Victoria person was. Never saw him, but you didn't try to freeze frame it to get the plate. I did get the plate, but I mean, you, you can't, you can't prove who's driving. So mm. it's with no face, no case. And so even if I would have called police and had a police report sent, they can't do anything without proof of who's driving the vehicle. And in some of the footage, you can kind of freeze it and see someone's face, but it's like, is it, what is it really going to do for me other than be a pain in the ass to go back to Arizona and deal with court? when I'm not dead. <laughs> so it's right. like, you got to pick your battles in life. And for me, that wasn't one that was really worth dealing with. Someone that's that stupid is going to have street justice served on them anyway, in some way or another via karma or something is the way I look at it. So, you know, most people that get their tires slashed, they never actually catch the people that slash the tires either. Oh yeah. Just, I, that works. Just, saying. <laughs> just, just saying, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you should go out and slash every crown white crown Victoria tires that you see, but a couple of them might make you feel better. I'm sure whoever owns that vehicle, because when this when this first happened, I was able to get the plate and you could see the car and I put it on my Instagram account. And I know some people that published it in some Facebook groups that were like face or like Crown Vicks of Phoenix. Like there's cause there's Facebook groups of all sorts out there, you know? Sure. Um and they were like, oh, we posted it in these groups and this and that. And I'm sure someone out there also looked up that plate and looked up where that car was registered. And there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's out of my hands. So, so who knows what happened? You got a picture of a Crown Victoria burning in a parking lot, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would have been pretty tight. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, I don't know if that car even exists anymore. No clue. But. And for those of you that don't know, you should go to uh, Stacy's Ride to Food YouTube channel. Check out her video that said, I almost died. Because this is also the video I was referencing about eating the tacos. So, yeah. you know, you got to go check out the video. That is a a supreme close call video. Ne- nearly, near. it's probably just as close as uh, Queen Sit's video that she had this year. Yeah. Sturgis of uh, just about being wiped out by another biker. So mm. yeah, very, very same but different. But yeah, definitely same. Uh, oh shit, level for sure. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> have tacos after that, man. <laughs> I mean, you have to. <laughs> so did you eat the tacos before or after the ride up the mountain? After. So after. I, okay. because so when I first filmed, so and this is something that confuses a lot of people too. So that video, I almost died. The footage that I showed in the video is actually from 2019 where the car almost hit me. And then I filmed all of that um, in 2021 of this year. So it had been just over a year since that had happened, a year and a half, mm-hmm. I guess, something like that. Um, but it was the first time I had gotten to go back to Phoenix since everything happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hoped it, it would help me, like, fix my PTSD. Um, I think it kind of did. It definitely felt good to ride that road again. Because when I lived in Phoenix, I went up there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so hot. I think that day it got up to like 105 or something because I was there in May this year. 
Yeah. So I was like, all right, we're leaving the house at 6 a.m. and getting up there and getting down and getting to tacos before noon, before it gets super hot. So yeah, it's, that's one thing that's brutal about Arizona. Like if you don't get out and ride first thing in the morning, you're just getting roached. You're going to get baked. And Tony didn't believe me when I said this, but I did see it snow when I, when I lived out there. I did too. I did too. One time in downtown Phoenix on new year's Eve of all times. Man, it must've been a flake. (laughs) <laughs> it's not real snow but yeah. got through. it was like one flake that got through somehow <laughs> i love the look on your face you're like wow <laughs> still I'll, I'll keep on saying that's called rookie winner there i mean arizona is nothing but even colorado's rookie dude winner. they don't even make the majors oh. with snow out there until you yeah. get to like flagstaff no you're not seeing snow yeah right. yeah i mean you guys get lots of snow in colorado but you don't get you don't, it's not even cold there. I wouldn't even have a winter jacket if I lived in Colorado. I'm such a wuss. I, I, as soon as it starts, like as soon as the snow starts to fall, and if you follow me on my personal Instagram account, you'll be like, yeah, you're such a little bitch because I start whining and I'm like, huh, it's snowing outside. No, no. And it's like two inches like the next day and it melts and I'm just miserable. Like I don't leave the house. This is actually like the patio out here right behind me and i'll just sit there in the window like a cat and just like oh no it's snowing <laughs> i think that that's something know. that texas and florida people have in common we yeah, don't, I don't like, know anybody don't like likes snow after puberty <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> my boyfriend grew up in new england and so he's the same way he's like this isn't real winter he grew up in the mountains of new hampshire so he's used to real winters and i'm just like yeah this is real enough for me like if if i was rich in a perfect world i'd snowbird it and live in texas or live in phoenix in the winter time you know six six months on six months off but we're not there yet maybe one day you could do what where's uh what's that guy that we had on scooter tramp scotty yeah yeah goes down to mexico every winter well, he's he's lived off his motorcycle since 1996. So, yeah, yeah I saw one of his videos popped up on uh, my feed yesterday about him camping in Mexico. So he's he's, he's got it figured out. He, yeah, he's, he's living. Cool. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, he's living. Well, he's living a little bit illegally sometimes too. A lot of those places <laughs> he comes out at are not—they're pretty sketchy. <laughs> pretty sketchy shit. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah. <laughs> <Not a> big deal. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking like pull over side of the road, like aban- abandoned schoolhouse in the middle of some place. Yeah, he he does some sketchy stuff, but yeah, he's 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 a super interesting dude. We had him on, I mean, probably almost two years ago. Now we had him on, and and he it was uh, early when we first started. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's his stories are amazing. If you ever want to, if you ever want to, like, do a throwback in time. He has two videos where all he does is go through these Polaroid pictures that he carries around with him. And uh, he just like, you'll see a, it's, it's a video of him just talking about these Polaroid pictures and, and every picture them. has a story yeah. behind it. And it, it, the videos are as raw as they get, but the story, it's like, you can't look away. It's like a train wreck. You know, you're like, uh, his, his best story was chasing down that bear naked out of his tent. <laughs> yeah. That had me on the floor. That's like my biggest fear when camping because I camp alone a lot and do dispersed camping and all that, especially out here in Colorado. I mean, we have bears, we have mountain lions, and most I would say 99 times out of 100, I'm camping alone. I don't feel like nine times out of 10 is a good enough ratio there, but uh, I'm always wondering if I'm going to become a bear Rito and I'm going to have like a bear like at my tent. It's like, do I stink? I haven't showered in four or five days. Can it smell me and like one in my tent? Cause I don't leave food and stuff in my tent, but 
you never know what's going to attract a bear. So no, be packing some heat. They're big. They're, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about all this traveling. Nobody's asked her, what are you riding, Stacy? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I have a 2015 Dyna Lowrider. Um, it's not really stock. So some people are like, oh, is that a T-Sport or is it this? Uh, technically, 2015 Dyna Lowrider. And I also have a 2003 Sportster. Um, most people haven't seen that one. It hasn't appeared in any of my videos because it was down for a couple of years. I needed some fab work done to it and just general TLC because I rode the shit out of it. I put like 50 or 60,000 miles on it. I, was, I built it in 2014. And it's 2021 20, now. Math is hard. Seven years. <laughs> so, um, so I ride both of those. Um, yeah. Your sportster is kind of a chopper, though, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's not a full rigid. I mean, it's a rigid mounted sportster, but frame wise, still stock frame, still has uh, rear and front suspension. Okay. So, and when I first rode that bike, it's so funny because I did two under tubes and then I did burly slammer shocks on the rear. And I know people who ride choppers, like have done the stampede ride across the country with no suspension. And they, I've let them take like a little hop around the neighborhood on my sports store. And they're like, this thing's rougher than my chopper. Like, how have you been riding this all over the country? And looking back on that now, because I put four over tubes on it and I think 11 or 12 inch shocks, I'm like, this is why my back hurts because I rode this thing slammed for so many years. So before I had my Dyna, I rode that sports store all over the country and 70 miles to a tank, maybe 80 with a tailwind. So lots of stopping. Yeah. See, so not only does she eat tacos when she rides, but she also rides a Dyna, which is the most dangerous motorcycle you can ever choose to ride. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and, I, and your dine is beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but those motherfuckers are sketchy. They're <laughs> sketchy at best. It's, it's, I like to call it, well, I call it the lemon because I mean, there's, I've kind of made some videos explaining like the issues I've had with it, but the only things left stock on the bike are the belt and the transmission. Everything else has been replaced in one way or another. I was doing a one K in a day one time. I think it's 2017 uh, bike had about 30,000 miles on it then. And my rear wheel bearings went out in the middle of nowhere, uh, out near Lordsburg, New Mexico. I was on the tent. I was between the checkpoint when you leave Las Cruces um, and Lordsburg. Anyway, I felt it getting kind of squiggly. It's about 1 a.m. and it's, you know, 95 degrees outside because middle summer. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know if that was like a tar snake or what. And all of a sudden I'm doing 90 and I'm like, oh, my God. Like the next day, my arms were sore from trying to keep the bike straight. And, uh, yeah, my wheel bearings just completely took a shit on me at 90 mile an hour. And I had to get the whole rear wheel replaced and everything. Um, that's just one thing that's gone wrong with it. Um, I had a lifter fail at about 35,000 miles stock lifter. Um, and which is like probably should have been replaced by that point anyway, but failed, blew the whole motor, had the, uh, had it covered under warranty. Then the technician that put that motor together did not do a good job putting the motor together. He even reused like some one-time use bolts in the bottom end. Um, And that, that completely destroyed itself in 7,000 miles. (laughs) And then, uh, so now I have a new motor in it because that one obviously got replaced. Um, And this one has about 35,000 on it. If I did math right, that would put me, we're at like 87,000 miles on that bike in six years. So you did nice. not convince me at all that that bike is sketchy. Like <laughs> exactly. I'm just letting you know it's sketchy. <laughs> I mean, what is what is it with New Mexico? New what? Mexico is it New, is New Mexico cursed or something? Because it's enchanting. 
man, there, there was some shit that happened to me back when I was playing music about, I don't know, 12 years ago or so. We were on our way home from Phoenix and we were in West New Mexico. It was Sunday. It was late afternoon. We're on our way home back to Illinois and we blew our last trailer tire. Ugh. And of course, like I said, it's Sunday, so nothing's open. Yeah, we're out in the middle. We're out in the middle of the desert on I don't know what it was forty, whatever, whatever is the interstate that gets you out to, to Phoenix or whatever. But bumfuck, you're out in the middle. Of bumfuck <laughs> is where you are. Two of us start <laughs> heading desert. west. Two of us start heading east just to find either. You have a canteen. We had we had nothing, dude. I thought God I was going to drink damn. my own piss. They were drinking their own urine, Tony. They were. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, two of the guys take off uh, east over the hill that's in front of us. And then me and my buddy stayed back and then we walked the other way. Couldn't find shit. Cause we were, we were out there. Well, the other two come back after walking a couple miles that way and back. And he's like, dude, he's like, I just about died. I go, what, what, what happened? And he goes, I'm walking. I look down and there's something in the road. He goes, it's, it's a rattlesnake. He goes, this thing coiled up, lunged at him. And he Bruce Lee, the top of its head with his foot. It almost tagged him. This is a Western Diamondback. Why would you know? <laughs> Just no. Did you not have a fucking cell phone where you could call somebody? No. They were no. twelve I mean, years ago in a band traveling around in a van. They probably barely. Fuck. They probably barely had deodorant, Tony. We barely had gas money to get home or deodorant. God damn, man! <laughs> Poor Setting as fuck. out on foot in the middle of the desert. I've watched enough westerns to know that doesn't work out right. <laughs> Never turns out good, man. You surprised you surprised Clint Eastwood didn't roll up on you. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> anyway, that's my you new Mexico no story. Water, you don't have a compass, and you're out in the middle. Of the, you're fucked <laughs> in the desert. I'm here to tell you. Oh, it's pretty out there, though. I could see yeah, why. I, I, I could see why you lived out there, and that's why I appreciated it so much. Like when you went to Sedona and you swam and everything. Like there was there was some cool swimming areas and some rivers or something out there that we went that were kind of a secret like a bunch of car, uh, college kids went to and partied it's pretty out there that's one of my bucket lists is to to go back out there and ride see old friends and go back to california well not back to california but to california because that's one of my biggest regrets and this is before you needed a passport to get into mexico so i was a couple hours from mexico well, a couple hours from california didn't didn't do either one well, you don't need a passport to get into Mexico. I don't know now with COVID, but normally they're like, Buenos Dias, and they just like wave you in. It's getting back where you really need it. And then and then U.S. Border Patrol is like, all right, show me your papers. But Mexico, they don't care. They're just like, they come on in, spend money. Yeah. Hmm. I've never had I've never had them ask for my passport. I like this, as if I've gone a million times, like the six or seven times I've gone, they've never asked for it. No one is going to confuse you, though, with somebody that's trying to sneak in from the border. Let's be honest. I'm white. You might be whiter than me. <laughs> this is my natural hair. So, yeah. But it is yeah. funny. It's funny because they totally, um, I've gone through, like, the federality checkpoints in Mexico, right? And, like, they, they've made me take everything off my motorcycle. Like, I'm smuggling drugs in. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Look through what you need. It's always until they find, like, the underwear or the tampons. And then, like, they'll stop searching my stuff. They're like, okay, have a good day. And I'm like, all right, thanks. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then coming back through, um, anytime I've had to go through, like, U.S. Border Patrol to get back in, they always love to check my bike. Like, it's Easy Rider. Like, they check my oil bag. Like, I went, I went in, I went 
I went through on my sports store one time and they like made me, they checked my oil bag. They checked my gas tank. And I'm like, have you watched easy rider before? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know, all the spots, don't you? And I'm just like, get anything past you. Brilliant. motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, of course they're going to check the girl in the group as if it's like, what you think I'm that dumb. Come on. (laughs) Try try getting on an airplane and looking like me. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) Ryan's undergone many a cavity search. Yeah, I'm not kidding. And I think don't. he likes them. At this point, you have to. Hey, don't ever. All I, I gotta say is, forward to it. Let's get there early. <laughs> all I gotta say is, don't ever buy a one-way ticket flying out of the flying out of the Midwest and look like me. You will not get out of that airport without somebody putting their hands on you that you don't know. Maybe he gets there early so he can go through the line twice. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. That's exactly. Hey, can you please put your gloves on? Wait a minute. I think hey, you, you missed you, something. Did, you didn't did everyone here get enough. their manicures today? Because I know somebody's somebody's probably going to get a little handsy. So no, no, no. You, you you've got a guy at TSA. Hey, Carl, <laughs> I got a guy. I mean, hey, Carl. My guy. Hey, Carl. It's me. I'm right over here. Come find me. All right, Discord friends, FDB's about to answer your questions. Make sure you head over to 5DirtyBikers.com and click the link on the homepage to visit our Discord and become a member. All right, this first question comes from Walter Vivoltz. Vivoltz. He says, I know she has been to a ton of great places to eat, but what is her all-time favorite meal she had on her motorcycle adventures if she had to pick just one? Oh, man. He always comes up with these questions. He does. <laughs> he does every time. It's it's so hard because 10 years, 200,000 miles of riding. I mean, there's so much good food out there. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of one that just like really stands out. Um, Could it be that pie <laughs> you rode 500 miles for? Yeah, I I literally just rode 500, 770 miles round trip for French fries last weekend. <laughs> In Durango. French fries in Durango. Wow. Um, man, the best food I've ever had. Those questions, this just stresses me out because I <laughs> it so much. Like, man, I would, there's beef ribs, uh, Cooper's barbecue in Texas. I love Cooper's brisket and beef ribs. Like, I would, if I could, I would ride there like tomorrow and go get them. Have you been to Franklin's? I haven't. I used to live in Austin and it's oh. one of those things where when you have so much good barbecue at your fingertips, it's like, why would you stand in line for four hours? It's stupid. When you can go down the street and probably get something just as good. I'm not saying Franklin's is bad. I'm just saying there's so many other options. Yeah. And the, like the Texas barbecue scene in recent years is just blown up. I mean, it, it's really interesting to follow along on social media with because it's like every week there's a new barbecue restaurant popping up somewhere in the state. And it's like, everyone has their own kind of like style of doing it. Like there's Valentina's Tex-Mex barbecue and it's has like Hispanic influences to it. And they do their own thing, like brisket, queso tacos and all kinds of crazy stuff. That's totally off topic. But anyway, uh, man, I don't know. Those questions are so hard. How about like a genre of food? Let's go with that. Oh, any anytime I can ride to tacos. Tacos. Tacos, so good. And I, now you guys probably want to know like my favorite taco place. And I'm like, shit, because I've got like 20 of them. <laughs> well, I know in one video you said it was in Southern California. 
There's okay. South beach tacos are my favorite fish tacos to get. If I'm not going to go into Baja, there's a place called South beach. It's an OB or ocean beach. It's a little suburb of San Diego. They have amazing fish tacos and it overlooks the ocean beach pier and that whole area. Um, Ace tattoo is right across the street as well. And the Cheswick's another little kind of biker bar. If you're ever in that area, that's cool to check out. Um, Those are great tacos. So we've discovered tacos is our go-to food. Oh, always. Tacos. People, this is this is going to really offend some people, and that's fine. Um, I've accepted it. But I don't really eat pizza. Like, when I think cheese, I think Mexican food. So whether it's tacos or quesadillas or whatever, somewhere in the Mexican food genre is where, like, my cheese obsession is. Outside of cheese curds. Cheese curds from Wisconsin, can't beat them. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to cheese, I don't think of putting like spaghetti sauce or not spaghetti, like marinara and all that and throwing it like in pizza form. It's just not my thing. I think I order one or two pizzas a year and that really like blows people's minds to figure out. <laughs> what about the Mexican pizza from Taco Bell? I have not tried for this. <laughs> oh my God. Well, we got to go. She doesn't eat pizza. We'll see you guys later. Have a nice day. We're you're out. <laughs> So let me ask you another question. This one comes from Mr. Deluxe. He says, um, do people recognize you from that 2012 Harley stereotypical Harley commercial? All the time. So Harley now uses that footage in their uh, dealer network educational programs. So I don't have access to this stuff. You have to physically be a dealer employee on their payroll. And Harley has what's called HD net. And, I only know this because one, I've been sent a million photos of it and two, I used to be a dealer employee. So I understand like how all this back end stuff works. But anyway, so every department in the dealership has their own educational programs, specifically in the service program, there is some class that they take and they use that little clip of me in it. And so I bet you once a week, if not twice a month, like at the least, someone sends it to me and asks if it's me. And I'm like, yeah, that was me 10 years ago. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I still get recognized from it. And Kid Rock, I don't know how they got the usage rights to this footage, but Kid Rock used it in um, some of his promotional stuff and he still uses it. I was actually at Sturgis this year at the Kid Rock concert at the Buffalo Chip and someone was like, you were just on the big screen. And I was like, no, I wasn't. Because <laughs> they said, no, it was when you had red hair. And I was like, oh, it's from that commercial. So he somehow still has usage rights to use that footage. I don't know. Very that. cool. I don't get royalties off of it. That's all I know. Wow, that sucks. <laughs> I know. I'm like, dang it. If I only knew then what I know now, I've been like, I need royalties, please. Yes, something. All right. So there's one more question. This one comes from yeah. Mental Sippy. What's the farthest she's ridden for food at a new location? And was it worth the trip? Oh man. Um, definitely over a thousand miles. Um, the most recent one I did, uh, this is, this is just kind of a close story. Otherwise I could think of 50 stories of riding to food. Um, you know, I'm going to take that back. We won't go there. We will go to Baja, Mexico. Cause I've been talking about it so much. We're talking about tacos Um, I ride to EDR every two years when they do the event and depending on where I'm at in the country, it's at least 1500 miles to get there one way. And every time eating fish tacos on the beach with a bunch of degenerate motorcyclists is always the best meal you can have. Mm -hmm. Like those tacos and the guacamole made fresh. And it's like the fish were like plucked out of the ocean that morning and they, you know, 
cleaned them up and they're frying them right in front of you. It's so good. So good. And your friends are just handing you tequila shots and you're raging on the beach. It's a good time. It's the only reason I go to EDR (laughs) other than to see my friends is to eat tacos on the beach. Mm. So yeah. She's, she's good. about the tacos, and you're doing oh, it all on a sketchy-ass diner. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't help that I'm hungry right now, too. I'm like, no. man, we could eat some Mexican food right now. <laughs> you should order a pizza. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me just pull up my Papa John's app real quick. It'll tell me I didn't order a pizza since last year. So, <laughs> so I have a question. Plans for the future for Ride to Food. Do you plan on doing countrywide Mm-hmm. food trips like one after another for your channel or what, yeah what do you got going on you think so i would love so one thing like i did one video with one of my buddies who owns a steakhouse in georgia in thomasville uh chop house on the bricks if anyone's down in southern georgia awesome food awesome people him and his wife both ride i kind of did a video where i interviewed him and kind of talked about their restaurant and i love to do stuff like that that it's like it incorporates not only the motorcycle community but food as well because they tag both of those things in at once and i would love to do stuff like that where i get to feature certain people in their business and tell their story um even if i was just traveling we'll just go back to cheese because why not we've been talking about cheese this whole time <laughs> like if i got to go to wisconsin and tour like a cheese factory where they're making cheese curds and everything else i think it'd be cool to talk about like how it's made um, it's, it's hard. And a lot of people don't understand this on the front end with COVID and the pandemic, people are under a lot of restrictions and every state is different. So for me to just want to walk in and tour their kitchen, isn't always doable because you have to have certain licenses and like food handler permits and all kinds of stuff just to be back there. And people are so specific and it's not necessarily the restaurant owner. It's sometimes just a random customer that's in the establishment could see me back there filming and throw a fit. And so it's like, I personally don't want to put anyone in a position, even though I'm there to just try and promote them. Um, I don't want to put them in a position where they get in trouble and or get shut down or fined. Right. And most restaurants don't want that to happen either because they can barely get employees right now and stay open. (laughs) So I do what I can to just keep the positive vibes going on the front end and uh, not put anyone in a position, but um, I do see myself at some point, like getting help on some trips. It's hard. Cause I like to travel alone. I really don't like people being with me. Um, cause it's like my me time on my motorcycle. Everyone rides motorcycles for different reasons. Like we've talked about, but I personally just really like to be alone. Um, so it's hard to give up that freedom of completely being alone, even to have a friend with me to help me film. But I would like to get to a point where someone helps me so I can push more content out faster because I know people would be stoked if I did that. <laughs> so that's something in the future for sure. I would you definitely be called the travel channel. Yeah. yeah. That needs to be on the travel channel. Yeah, it know, does for real. For real. Yeah. That, I, uh, it's, I had a guy the other day message me on Instagram and he was telling me how much he loves what I'm doing on, uh, I'm sorry, on YouTube And um, he was like, you know, I'm pitching or I'm writing this pilot script and this and that. And I'm going to call the series Will Ride for Food. And he was telling me like his whole plan. And I'm like, so you're taking what I'm doing on my YouTube channel, ripping my brand name off, and you're going to try and pitch it to like a TV station? Cool guy. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's great. And he's not the first person to do that. I've actually had a couple people do that to me over the years because I came up with this in 2016 
And even then I was so paranoid someone was going to take the brand name or do something with it. Um, and I had a friend, Jesse Combs, who y'all probably know who she is, passed away a couple years ago. Uh, about a month before she passed away, her and I talked about YouTube and talked about Ride to Food. And she loved the idea. And she was like, if I could give you any advice, it would be to keep your channel on YouTube and do not get involved with a TV uh, corporation or channel in any sort, because then you have to play by their politics. So if they have a contract basically with a certain OEM, uh, like Harley Davidson, Indian Kawasaki, uh, you have to ride that motorcycle. So you don't get to ride whatever you want to ride if they have a contract with someone. And I was like, Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) So that, so I kind of took that advice and I've ran with it and it's nice because I do kind of like you guys, if you guys want to say fuck, you can say fuck. Or if you want to say something mildly inappropriate or very inappropriate, you can do that on YouTube. (laughs) So yep. (laughs) Ryan. (laughs) So I kind of want to keep it on YouTube and I like, I like the freedom of being able if I wanted to, if I wanted to push out five videos a month and they all have a different vibe to them, that's okay. And I can do that and I can grow a community that way. And versus going onto television where you don't really get that sense of community anymore. You know, you become more of like a real time celebrity rather than someone who's involved in your motorcycle community. And I've always been involved in my motorcycle community. So I don't want to lose that connection. You know what I mean? What a great answer. I love that answer. So I think, go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, if you hired somebody that uh, um, you absolutely couldn't stand to film for you, so then you, you would, it would just be there just like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, then it would be, it would be just like you were riding alone anyway. Right. Cause you wouldn't even actually be paying attention to that person. I feel like, please get away from me. Exactly. <laughs> See, now, I have a girlfriend of mine who we ride very well together. We camp well, like we work well together and I'm hoping to bring her on for a couple of uh, episodes and, like trips next year, I kind of look at it as like almost a trip by trip basis and to see, okay, I'm going to do this five day trip. Maybe I can hire that person to come with me and help me film on these five videos. Cause I want to get to a point like the Yellowstone series is a great example. That could have been nine videos, nine very entertaining videos, but instead I made it three because it's one person. I can only film so much a day and still be in the moment in my trip and enjoy it. And I'm trying to get to where I can go on a week long trip, film five or six videos in that week, and then come home for four weeks, edit what I need and do whatever else. Because I have ride to food.com, which is also a blog. So not everything I do is in video form. Um, and like I said, I have clients where I do photo work and everything else. So as long as I can check all the boxes off in that one week and work my brains out, <laughs> then everyone wins, you know, but Ride to Food's just starting. It's so hard because I have so many things in my head that I would like love people to know about, but I'm not ready to like let it out there. I'd really like to do more um, with company-owned vehicles and getting to do test rides or getting to like long-term test rides. I don't want to take a bike for a five-minute spin around the block. I'd love for someone to give me one for a month and I go eat freaking ribs in Texas or wherever else. I don't care. <laughs> um, but let's go get lobster rolls in Maine. How about that? Let's just ride it all the way across the country. Uh, um, I'd love to do stuff like that and incorporate like that side of motorcycling too, where it's like, it is about the bike you're riding and it is about the food, you know? So I hope those will get there. I, I think those doors are just starting to open right now. I mean, I think, 
you know, we, we talked about that actually in our last episode that Indian was probably the first company to really utilize, um, you know, social media content creators and influencers. And then Harley's starting to do that. Mm-hmm. And many corporations within the industry are, have been getting on board for a while. And I think that outside of the industry, once, once the outside of the industry kind of starts to look in and see what we've been doing for a while, I think those mm-hmm. kind of opportunities are going to present themselves. And so the people that are at the forefront of that, I think are going to have the best opportunity to capitalize on that. We've talked a lot about that, even from a, even from a podcast standpoint, you know, when we are, we're in the same situation you are, you know, we're trying to grow our podcast and, and bring new content to it and that kind of stuff. And, and, um, different advertising companies and marketers and that kind of stuff, they want to know what your analytics are. And the, uh, the podcast still is, is so new compared to YouTube and some of these other social media outlets that have much greater access to analytics. And so um, it's a lot more difficult than people think. You oh, know, yes. it's, it's easy to get your name out there, right? It's really hard to make that into something. Absolutely. And even like, and it's as a chick, like I've been writing, I've been working in this industry and I've had brand collaborations and done all kinds of stuff with big brands in the industry. I, it's one of my best friends, does social media for multiple giant companies um, in this industry. I just said industry like 10 times in 30 seconds, but anyway, <laughs> so um, it's a lot. And as a female, I do feel like it is harder uh, to be taken seriously at times. Um, it didn't help that I came to this industry at 20 years old and like to party for the first like eight years I was here. <laughs> Just living through my 20s, right? Um, but I think like I see more more OEMs getting involved with women who ride and respecting them and wanting to see them and represent their companies, which is huge. I see a lot of companies taking YouTube more seriously now, like you just mentioned. I think it's a platform that is definitely overlooked and I'm even guilty of that um, as someone who has done marketing consulting and social media management, um, as when I got on YouTube, I didn't know anything about YouTube. <laughs> I just started making videos and it's only been like I told y'all earlier, like a year. So I'm still learning the ropes. Half the time I said, I'm like, I still really know what I'm doing in regards to YouTube community. Like I see you guys, like I, I respond to people, I recognize names, but it's a totally different animal of a social media platform than Instagram, TikTok you know, tried and true Facebook, they, they all have their own personality and quirks, but YouTube is a monster. I mean, if you, if you really get into the analytics and the nerdy marketing stuff, it's an amazing platform, like absolutely amazing. And there's so much opportunity on it for creators and companies alike. So it's cool to see a lot more people getting involved in it. It's Um, the second largest search engine in the world right now after Google. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to see more companies, um, getting involved. And on that same topic, speaking of COVs, I do get to take a COV out of flying to California tomorrow and going on a two week adventure bike trip. So by the time this podcast comes out, I will probably already be on that trip. <laughs> so if anyone tags in to ride to food, you'll, they'll get to see what I'm riding. But um, yep, 10 years in the, and it kind of goes back to growing your YouTube channel. Right. And cause I get those questions all the time. How do you get your videos to be seen? How do you get these deals or do that? You just got to keep at it 10 years in this industry and I'm just getting my first COV, you know? And I, like I said, I'd love to see more of that in the channel. So first one's here and took me a year on YouTube, but 10 years in the industry and on, on Instagram. So 
All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Stacy, thank you very much for joining us on Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. Make sure you go check out Ride to Food on the socials and on YouTube. Amazing content. Can't wait to see what you do next. Can't wait to see what you do with your travels. Until next time, you guys keep it dirty. Definitely, y'all too. It's good good to hang out. <laughs> yep. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. It's good to meet you and hear about some of your adventures. I know. I wish we could talk all day. I got a million yep. stories for y'all. You know you got to go, so you do what <laughs> you need to do. Thanks yeah, again. I know, I know you said you travel alone. But uh-huh. if you ever need recommendations in the St. Louis area for food, we got some good ones up here. I'd be happy well, to give you recommendations. If if, when I get to St. Louis, we'll just go get food. How about that? <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. If you ever yeah. make it north, if you ever make it north of the wall, give me a shout out. I I love to ride. I put tons of miles on my bike every year. So you cool. go you go ice fishing with Ryan and catch you. <laughs> I, I do not ice fish. I do nothing in the winter time except for lay on my garage floor and cry about the snow and cold. So. Uh-huh. Perfect, we're trying. <laughs> yeah.